Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Yes, and tonight we continue our important series of conversations with our human condition guru, clinical psychologist Lynn Worsley, on addictions. We've had an overview, then alcohol, drugs, and tonight the curse of gambling addiction. And in a little while, you'll hear from Rita Searle, who knows all about this particular addiction all too well. It cost her something like 30 grand over 12 months before she drew a line in the sand. Lynn, welcome back again. Thanks for having me, It's great to see you. Now, this particular addiction is, of course, clearly distinct from drugs and alcohol. Tell us how gambling can be an addiction and how we can recognise it then. Okay, now gambling becomes an addiction when a person begins or continues to bet or gamble despite the mounting negative consequences of the behaviour. Like, for example, um, the consequences might include a relationship or family breakdown or bankruptcy or criminal activity or potential imprisonment and serious mood and anxiety difficulties, but they still continue to gamble. Now, compulsive gambling, it's characterized as a disorder of impulse control. So it's not just something that's like a habit that you need to get rid of um, or, you know, an indication of someone with, um, you know, with no control. It's really like basically they have a disorder of the impulse control. Um, And essentially it means that they've got um, a progressive failure to stop their behaviours um, and it leads to mounting compromise, a, dis- a whole disruption in their lives and most of the time um, gamblers list stress, anxiety and depression as major symptoms and often these symptoms lead to a sense of despair, dread and hopelessness. Which is quite understandable. It's probably helpful to take us through some of the most common forms of gambling. Yes. Okay, now gambling forms... Um, different common forms of gambling include betting on horses, dogs or events, um, like sport events, poker machines, um, sports betting, repetitive high-risk business ventures, um, okay. reckless stock market exchanges and transactions. Um, I think real estate can often be a gambling addiction as well. Um, despite the known risks of these, of these activities, the gambler who loses large amounts of money often regards their losses to, the be, to be the results of just bad luck, not just poor advice or tipping. Yes. Um, and the, the denial often forms the basis of larger risk-taking behaviour. Like, I was just luck, unlucky this last time, so yeah. I'll do it again. And there are so many more... Um, forms of gambling around. Here's a question, though. Not all people are addicted to gambling. So where's the difference and what are the causes of gambling addictions? Yes, yes. Now, this is quite different to the drugs and alcohol because um, gambling addiction is a process addiction. So it happens over a, over time, but it's the combination of quite a number of different factors. So you can have someone who's got a family history of not coping um, with certain stresses, you might have a family history with you know genetic factors as well um, that they've had gambling in the family, personality, underlying problems, underlying emotions that can also interact in different ways to interfere with the compulsion. Um, individuals who use gambling as a mean of coping means of coping with difficult emotions, often people who are more prone to becoming addicted. Um, Now, what happens is that the brain's reward system is also involved in developing compulsive gambling. Interestingly, there's research research on how damage to the limbic system in the brain can affect emotional experiences and cognitive processes, as well as their self-awareness and the ability to identify the emotions in others. Now, that also shows us how gambling can be a disorder of 
the neuron part, neural pathways wow. in the brain. Now, I found this discussion really interesting when I was having a look on the web and doing some research as well, um, looking at some research articles, and with the Iowa Gambling Task. Now, I'll take you through this. It's very interesting. Now, in this task, the subjects were asked to draw 100 cards from four decks. The decks were arranged so that the decks were A and B. They paid off in higher amounts, and they also included loss cards that caused them to ultimately produce a loss of, say, $250 for every 10 cards they selected. Okay. Okay, so high risk. But, yes. you know, good good chances you might get something, but then you're going to lose a lot. But decks D, C and D had smaller payoffs. So they they had lost cards, which were also much smaller, and resulted that every 10 cards selected resulted in a gain of $10, $250. Mm. Okay? So so you had sort of excitement in A and B, and D, C and D is a little bit more, you know, you, you might get there. Somewhere. Yes, yes. Okay, so now, interestingly, the subjects in some experiments were connected to devices to measure their skin conductance just to see what their emotional responses were. And these experiments um, demonstrated that the subjects would consciously become aware of a preference for their decks after drawing about 40 to 50 cards. Okay. But the skin conductance showed an emotional response for reaching for decks A and B only after 10 cards. Oh, that's the big stakes one. Yeah. How yeah. interesting. So they got excited about yes. that, you know, so their emotions were up. But or in fearful, a, perhaps. Or fearful, yeah. but it, it was that sort of, oh, it's exciting. Buzz, yeah. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, the subjects who had some damage to their limbic system, not quite sure how they managed to work out who had the damage, but anyway, the damage to the limbic system um, that hindered their emotional responses would actually continue to draw from decks A and B even after they consciously recognised that these were the this was going to cause worse problems for them. Wow! So they just kept going; yes. they couldn't stop it. It's probably worth explaining what the limbic system is and how does it get damaged. Yeah. Okay. Now this is a really highly researched topic. Uh, it relates to a number of issues, particularly with regard to a person's early years as the brain develops. Now the limbic system is in the centre of the brain and there's been it's like a big feedback loop for managing your emotions, love and friendships and understanding moods. Um, and it's been shown to develop through close relationships and attachment to other people. Now, people with early traumatic relationships often have a disruption in their feedback to feedback limp uh, loop in the limbic system, okay. and they don't learn to read people very well or understand their feelings. Um, it's also the centre of the brain that's responsible for in, impulse control. So you often see it, a difficulty there with kids with ADHD, for example. Mm. Now, to damage the limbic system, um, that occurs when there's difficult early relationships. Um, and they don't give the child the ability to understand or regulate their emotions without, uh, and also without having comfort and close relationships once the child develops, a number of patterns um, develop such as self-soothing behavior or trying to comfort themselves or doing things very quickly, immediate gratification to, yes. to actually you know, fix myself up because I don't want to feel this bad. I don't know what to do with it. So that actually leads to someone who's got impulse control problems. And so they become compulsive and they don't stop and think before they do something. They've got to quickly fix it. They've got an emotional feeling, so they've got to actually do something with it. Wow. And that's why gambling comes into play. Um, when you have someone with a gambling addiction, they have this heightened emotional response. There's a, there's a rush going on and they can't seem to stop it. Which we're now going to hear about because each night we're dealing with addictions. I'm also keen to get firsthand the story of someone who actually knows what it is like to go through this kind of thing up close and personal. Rita Searle 
is one of many thousands whose gambling addiction has cost her and her family very, very dearly. Let's hear from Rita now, uh, whose gambling addiction started off simple and purely social. I used to go with a girlfriend about once a week and only spend about $20 at a time. And uh, and then uh, I left my ex-husband, which had nothing to do with gambling, and uh, found myself living opposite a hotel, of all places. And uh, I'd get bored. And where can a single woman go on her own without it looking like she's trying to pick up? I mean, the pokies don't discriminate, so I'd go over to the pokies and I'd spend more and more time there and my bets would get higher and higher. Can you describe to me what that did for you? What was the attraction of the pokies? I would like to get the symbols up that enabled the machine to give you the free games. But then again, I wasn't doing it for the money, um, as such as putting it in my pocket and going away. Uh, It was to enable me to get more money to stay there longer so I could play longer. And what did that give you? Can you describe the kind of feeling that it gave you? Um, well, you are in a trance, I suppose, of sorts when you're at the gaming machine. Look, I'd get my heart would start pumping fast. I'd get sweaty and clammy, wanting the games to come up, especially if I was running out of money. And then when the games came up, I'd get a sigh of relief and then... My heart would start again, hoping I'd get a lot more money that enabled me to stay there. Did the roller coaster of those highs and lows get more dramatic as time went on? Yes, they did, because um, I would start off uh, having um, spending one dollar per shot, and then I'd go onto a dollar machine that would have three or five lines. So therefore, you'd uh, do the um, maximum. And I'll be betting $3 and sometimes $5 a shot. In the end, I'll be uh, spending $9. Of course, you'd you'd win a lot more, but then, of course, you're spending a lot more to get that money. Yes. When you got in that zone, was there anything that would stop you? No. We have had talks with this uh, with Relationships Australia, and they talk about if gaming staff came up and said something to you, no. If you are a true gambler, nothing will stop you. I mean, I'd run out of money. I'd uh, reserve the machine and I'd get my car, nip down home five minutes away, get more money and come back. Did you ever pinch yourself and say, I'm desperate, this has got to stop? When I'd come out after losing $1,000 at a time, yes, but then as soon as I got home, it was okay again. Um, now, I uh, did attempt suicide twice. Um, the second time, I was back a week after on the machine. Uh, like, the suicide attempt was behind me. Now, this is me again, and I can, I've got another life to carry on gambling. How much money did you lose to gambling, Rita? Look, it, between 20000 and 30000 it was um, on my husband's credit card. I, I used to take that without him knowing. And so we've got a nice debt to pay off now. Over what period of time was that? I'd say oh, the last 12 months of my gambling would have been the worst. Um, I'll give you an example of what happened. Uh, one day I was with my husband and I was gambling and uh, I won $1,800. 
So I turned around and gave him $800 and said, look, I'm put this off the credit card. And he was very appreciative. Oh, that's great. We need it. You know, we're spending a lot. In other words, I was spending a lot. Then, of course, the $1,000 I had to play with went. So I went up to him and said, uh, look, okay, you didn't have this in the first place. I'm taking it back. I need it. And he gave it to me because he loved me. And how do you reflect back on that now? <laughs> how the hell did he put up with me? I really don't know. Just just love. But um, he has to buy me all the way. When did you realise, or how did you realise, that A, you had a problem, and B, it had to be confronted? Okay. Uh, one day I had to go into the next town to uh, pick up a gift that we had ordered to be engraved, and we weren't sure how much the whole package was going to be. So he gave me his credit card and uh, begged me not to go on the pokies because we couldn't afford it. And I turned around and said, look, I know, honey, we can't afford it. I promise you I won't go. Well, after I picked up that gift, the car was suddenly outside of a hotel. So I went in there, and the fourth time I went to the ATM to draw out $200, it was like a bucket of cold water had been thrown over me. There was the gambling line sticker on the ATM. Now, it's probably been there for years and years, but it really stuck out this time. And I, I thought, oh my God, I need help. So I put their phone number into my phone. I went out to my car. I rang them. And I can remember as though it was yesterday, I said, help, I'm a gambler. Please help me. And how did they help you? They put me on to Relationships Australia, South Australia, who I thoroughly recommend, and I was seeing a counsellor. She then uh, told me about this program by Statewide where, being I was in the country, I had to be hospitalised for two weeks to go through this desensitising program, which, at the end, I came out not wanting to gamble at all. And then that led me to doing a course with Relationships Australia, South Australia, for their Consumer Voice Program, which I have a certificate that enables me to talk to people like yourself, to go out and talk to groups about my personal gambling nice. life. What was involved in the desensitising process, Rita? Um, first of all, they would show you a picture of your machine. And of course, you know, when you're addicted, uh, your pulse rate goes up, your heart starts pumping. Oh, that would be nice to get on and you know, play it now. Right. Well, then after seeing it a few times, your urges dropped. You had to gauge your urges between three and um, eight, I think it was, or ten. And then after that, they'd put the sound to it. And then again, you know, you had to do this two or three times a day, about up to half an hour if you wanted to, and until you got desensitised to it. And that really worked for you? Well, it, it did for me. At the end, uh, I had to go with uh, my counsellor, um, up to the local hotel by the hospital. And uh, the very last thing I had to do was go in there with money, put the money in the machine, and sit at the machine without pressing the button. Wow. I know. How'd you and, go? Fine. <laughs> I did it. I was so pleased. And then um, my task to do when I come home was to also do that at my local hotel. Wow. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, oh, it was 12 months 
in January that uh, I give up gambling. You're a champion. Oh, I love my new life and my husband loves his new wife. <laughs> <laughs> and get the credit card paid off. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. So do you fear going back to it? Uh, I'm not infallible. I mean, I could wake up tomorrow with the urge, but there is so much help out there I didn't realise, and I know a lot of other people don't realise. All I've got to do is pick up a phone and I've got instant help. Yes. And I've also I've got my husband behind me, and he trusts me with his credit card now. And if there's someone lost in that days, as you say, of mm-hmm. gambling, mm-hmm. especially with pokies, but gambling generally, yes. and they're listening tonight, what would you say to them? You have got to want to get help and get help because you're not living. You are being addicted to these machines. Um, Be like me. Be like I am today. Free and guilt-free. And I love my new life. What a champion, Rita Surleys, eh? Got any thoughts and reflections on that, Lynn? Look, you know, she's she's so so inspiring. Um, I guess... What I what I'm really impressed is with is that she had um, this exposure therapy. Yes. Um, what do you think of that? Now, I I actually think it's fantastic because mm. um, but not everyone responds to it in the right. same way. So you really need to find something that works for you, and that's particularly what you need to work through with a psychologist or your counsellor. But um, with exposure therapy, it really takes you through uh, looking at how you responded emotionally. And notice how Rita responded emotionally to um, to just doing the pokies, you the know, heart a heart racing, a heart racing, yeah. and that's very much what we're saying for that Iowa experiment. Um, but the fact that she was able to then start regulating her emotions with that. Now, the key to exposure therapy is to help people to regulate their emotions. Yeah. So you then have to delay how you're feeling about something. You have to think about it. And then you have a purposeful response rather than quickly trying to satisfy your urge. Just quickly, we've put a link up with uh, for a Tim Keller book that you've highly recommend. Yes, the Tim Keller book talks about counterfeit gods and looks at at what idols do we have. Now, um, you know, I know we're dealing with addictions here, which are very, very serious, uh, but they do start somewhere. And I think it comes to a point where we start putting out what we what it is that gets our heart racing? You yeah. know, what is it that's exciting? Are we grabbing things very quickly to sort of satisfy our needs? So that's gambling next week? Next week we'll be looking at sex, ad- sex addictions and pornography. Um, and so that'll be an interesting topic. It's a very serious one. Very serious. Lynn Worsley, as always, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.